no, very fancy. <laughs> I'm Ali Baker, she, her, an education lecturer and children's fantasy literature researcher at University of East London. You're listening to Fantasy Book Swap, where a guest and I swap children's fantasy fiction, one classic and one contemporary, and we discuss them. Today, I'm joined by Michael Baker, aspiring polymath, retired Church of England lay preacher and author, and my dad. Hello. What have you been up Hello. to? Good. Good to be here. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. What have you been up to recently, Dad? Uh, nothing much. We've been uh, confined to barracks, really, because we have been in contact with a, um, a COVID uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. We're all right. We have survived so far. Yeah, you, you've, you've had negative uh, LFTs, haven't you? Yes, yes. Yeah, so that's good. That Hopefully that means you'll be released. Into yeah, we're, we're out of quarantine now. <laughs> good to hear it. So <laughs> today we're discussing books by two former laureates, John Macefield, poet and novelist and poet laureate of Great Britain, and Chris Riddell, illustrator, political cartoonist and children's author, who was recently the children's laureate for two years. So, Dad, um, you chose a book that you read to me when I was really young. Can you remember how old I was? Must have been about, um, let me think, uh, about nine or ten, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I remember it really well. And actually, this time for this podcast, this is the first time I've read it to myself. Um, because I remember it so well from you reading it to me. It's weird. I've read Box of Delights loads of times. I should mention that the book is Midnight Folk by John Macefield. Dad, can you summarise the plot? Well, it's difficult to summarise briefly. Mm. I think before we start, you need to understand that um, Macefield was born in 1872, Mm. and his mother died when he was six, and his father had a breakdown and died shortly afterwards. Oh, my. He was brought up by an aunt who disapproved of the time Maysfield spent reading. Oh. And when he was old enough, she sent him off to the training ship Conway uh, to, to prepare for a life as a merchant ship's officer, uh, which didn't act, although Maysfield did go to sea, uh, he didn't stay there, mm. and in fact, eventually jumped ship in New York and lived rough for a bit before returning to this country and settling down to a life writing. Mm. So, <clears throat> now in the book, the uh, hero, if you can call him that, we, the person with through whose eyes we see events, is young Kay Harker, who whose parents are both missing or dead, who is being brought up by a governess mm. and a guardian, and his childhood toys have all been taken away because, quote, they will only remind him of the past, unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He lives in a large old house called Seekings, which is on the edge of the visit the village of 
Condicut, which seems to be somewhere uh, probably west of the Severn, I would think, mm. um, because that Macefield, in fact, uh, was born in Ledbury in Herefordshire, which I ought perhaps to have mentioned earlier. Mm. And um, <clears throat> anyway, he, the uh, family, the family uh, fortune seems to have been dissipated. The house is. Um, not actually falling into ruin, but the outbuildings are. Mm. And uh, he is living with his governess, as I mentioned, and the two, uh, the house, the housekeeper and maidservant, Ellen and Jane, who in fact are closer to him than any yeah. other adult. There is also a cat called Nibbins, who is good, and two other cats, Black Malkin and Grey Malkin, who are uh, villainous. Yeah. Now, one, he is um, challenged by his guardian to look for the family treasure, the Harker treasure, or Santa Barbara treasure, more yes. properly, which was entrusted to his great-grandfather, Captain Harker, Captain Aston Tyrold Harker, who, uh, in fact, was a ship's captain and had to leave Santa Barbara, the city uh, whose cathedral's treasure it was, in order to evade French privateers. And uh, the uh, Captain Harker then disappeared for a time, and the question is, what has happened to the treasure? Yes. Okay wants to clear his great-grandfather's name of the suspicion of having taken it away. And uh, he thinks about this and wonders about a large flagstone in his bedroom. Yeah. Which could possibly have the treasure in it, or as the uh, maidservant sold him, Mm. A murdered victim buried under there who yes. comes out at night and warns <laughs> will warn him if he is not good. Yes, such a well, such a, a nice thought. Now, <clears throat> the um, one night, Dibbins, the cat, comes into his room through a little door in the wainscoting and takes Pierre with him mm. on a series of adventures. They. Uh, they see a meeting of a witch's coven in the hall of the house and learn that they, the witches are on their way to a great meeting of witches at nearby Wicked Hill. Kay and, Nib and Nibbins take one of the witches' broomsticks, which are in a secret cupboard in one of the twisty chimneys of the house. Mm. They throw the rest into the garden to delay the other witches. And uh, on their way to Wicked Hill, they meet a fox called Mr. Rollicum Bytum. Yes. And uh, he's my favourite. About a rabbit drive which is to take place, which has been betrayed to the villainous gamekeeper, Roper, or gamekeeper Bilges. Yes. Uh, at the meeting at Wicked Hill, they find that it is being led by a 
wizard, or magician, called Abner Brown, who mm -hmm. tells the witches that their task must be to find the Santa Barbara treasure. The leader of the witches at Seekings is called Sister Pouncer or Mrs. Pouncer, mm. and she has her own theory that it's probably somewhere in Seeking's house. But Abner Brown says he has clues that it is elsewhere. Then uh, dawn begins to break, and they have the Nibbins and Kay have to get back to the house. When they get back to the house, Kay is told off for having mud on his slippers, mm. and from here on, it is not entirely clear whether we are in Kay's imagination mm. or in the real world. Yes. Because events keep swapping over. For example, the, which, the broomsticks are found in the garden. Yeah. If it's imaginary, how did they get there? We are never told. Events keep moving from one realm to the other. Mm. And as we go on, Kay in his search for the treasure, encounters various people. There is Bilges, who turns out to be the grandson of the ship's gunner yes. on Captain Harker's ship. And uh, events progress, and what we learn is that the clergy of Santa Barbara entrusted the treasure to Captain Harker, who uh, accepted it on the understanding that he would return it when the rebellion against Spain was settled one way or the other. Indeed, order was restored. We learn that Bilges and the sailmaker of the, of, the, uh, of, the, of the plunderer, Captain Harker's ship, and uh, who is called Twiny Pricker, led mm. a mutiny, put Captain Harker ashore, and sailed away. Then Twiny Pricker put Bilges ashore, and sailed away, and then the rest of the crew got rid of Twiny Pricker in the same way. He was eventually rescued from the sandbank where he'd been marooned by some buccaneers mm. who took him to their hideout, which seems to be somewhere around the mouth of the Mississippi. On the way to the hideout, Captain, the ship goes past a sunken vessel which Pricker recognises as being the plunderer. No yeah. sign of the crew, and he assumes the treasure is there. And eventually, in the buccaneer's hideout, he joins forces with another shady character, one Abner Brown, yes. who is in fact the grandfather of the leader of the witches. And they team up together, hire a ship, and go back to look for the treasure. The treasure can't be found. And Abner eventually persuades Pricker to go away, gives him some money, and he makes his way back eventually mm. to England. He goes into Pricker, changes his name to Piney Trigger, yes. and uh, sets up as what is known as a Honduras merchant, which was, in fact... A uh, uh, in, the, in the slave trade business. Yeah. And he makes a lot of money and returns to England and it becomes 
quite well off, is quite well off, builds or, or, um, or buys a mansion which is called Trigger Hall. And we know all this because one of the ancestral portraits of Captain Harker comes to life yeah. and tells Kay all the history that he knows. That we know that Captain Harker died not knowing the whereabouts of the treasure and grieving that he'd broken faith with mm -hmm. the clergy of Santa Barbara. Events move on. Kay learns uh, from talking to the sexton in, uh, in the local church that um, at the, 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 the time of the, um, of the Great Flood, Trigger was uh, in the neighbourhood. There was a smuggling business going on, uh, centred on the old mill by the river, mm -hmm. and that uh, one Abner Brown, a, quote, Western gentleman, i.e. an American, yeah. turned up and was heard arguing and threatening Sir Piney Trigger, and that they both disappeared, or at least one of them disappeared, the other was found drowned in the flood. Fence mm. move on. Uh, Kay finds Sister Pouncer having a magical session, conjuring up spirits to try to find out what has happened to the treasure, whether it is in Steaking's house. And a strange woman on a black horse appears, mm. who, is, uh, who she has not called up, but who she manages to ban it, ban banish, but the woman turns up at Kay's window and takes him on her horse. They fly to Trigger Hall and interview Miss Susan Trigger, one-time Regency Bell and mm -hmm. daughter of Sir Piney Trigger, who is quite happy to tell him that uh, Trigger was a trader, a slave trader, and how he'd gone back to Louisiana and mm -hmm. found that the buccaneers' hideout had been dispersed by uh, soldiers, presumably from the American government, mm. and that uh, he discovered that Captain that Abner Brown double-crossed him mm. while while he was away, uh, while he was in his in his bunk. He'd found the treasure, got rid of Piney Trigger, and had uh, gone back and dug up the treasure for himself and put it on his ship, which he'd hidden in a creek in the Mississippi Delta. Well, there's, following this, one night, the model of uh, the plunderer, Captain Harker's ship, comes to life, and Kay is taken in it across the sea, where he swims with the mermaids and learns from mm. them the ship had been buried in an earthquake and in the changing of the river's course and uh, that it had been, the treasure had been found by a farmer called Old Man John who called it Sin and Heathen Idols and hid it in his cellar mm. where it stayed. Back in the daytime world, Kay learns that there is another treasure somewhere nearby the, the loot of a highwayman called Benjamin, who used to hide in Seeking's stables. Yes. And Kay goes looking 
in the stables and finds a box containing a writing which he can't understand, which seems to be in code. Mm. And he goes looking in the stables, uh, sorry, in the, uh, in the nearby estate of Lady Crowmarsh, mm. which is reputed to be packed with man traps and spring yes. guns and bloodhounds, but in fact there don't seem to be any. But Hay Kay finds a hollow tree in which he hides when he hears Lady Crowmarsh coming and uh, has a conversation with an owl. Lady Crowmarsh eventually turns up at, at Seekings, but, um, uh, but turns out to be complete, quite approachable. And Kay is invited to go back to the Crowmarsh estate any time without any let or hindrance. Mm. Meanwhile, the owl has sent a message for Kay to, to um, America by means of a, a swift. A message eventually comes back from there, and Kay learns that, uh, that uh, Piney Trigger went back to, uh, look at, uh, to look for the treasure again and learnt about Old Man Brown. But uh, they are interrupted, and Kay is told off for poking about in the cellar where yeah. the owl has been kept. And uh, he finds, he, he realizes from that that this pound that his governess must be in league with the witches. Yes. And he goes looking in the, in the governess's uh, room while she is not there and discovers a whole set of witches' outfit, which he tries on and is transported to Abner Brown's house where the witches are having another meeting, and it finds what we call a peep show into the past, and mm. witnesses Abner Brown and his son and grandson looking for, that is, Abner Brown's grandfather, mm. his, his, and Abner Brown's father, and Abner Brown himself as a small child, looking for the treasure, and learning that Piney Trigger has come back in a ship, has... Um, Scrobble, I think we could say. Yes. Tied up uh, old man John and taken the treasure from him, put it on the boat, and, has, and is sailing away. Abner Brown resolves to go back and look for him. So, Kay is transported back to Seeking's house. He deduces from the paper that the um, highwayman's treasure is by the Liberty Tree, which he learns about from his Helen, mm. uh, the maid, dates back from the days of the hungry forties and post-Napoleonic mm. era. And he goes and digs up what is a, uh, uh, he digs up a valuable repeater watch belongs to, which belongs to a local magnate, Sir Hassel Gassel. Mm. And he takes it back there and Hassel uh, Gassel promises that he won't lead the local hunt to look for uh, <coughs> Bison the Fox, who is a friend of Kate of mm. Kay's. Well, <coughs> meanwhile, the, witch the witches all come to Seeking's house and <coughs> in the middle of the night, ransack Kay's bedroom and look under the flagstone, which discloses a secret room, but there is, it is empty. Mm. Frustrated, they go back to 
carry on their further researches. Kay, meanwhile, is approached by a highly disreputable and surly rat. Yes. With a great character uh, who um, tells him that Libyans and Bison uh, have fallen into a bat, comes to him, to Kay in the night, and Kay flies with the bat to mm. the old mill and finds, finds Bison and uh, Libyans there and discovers a cellar with a, uh, a cellar in the mill. Kay learns, as Kay uh, learns that the tiny trigger was running a business bringing contraband up the river to the old mill and uh, that the barges had false bottoms in which mm -hmm. the contraband was hidden and tells him that Bison and Libyans are trapped in the cellar at the old mill. Kay goes to the witch's room, puts on her one-league shoes and takes a magic rope ladder and a wishing basket and goes to the mill where he finds a cellar where Bison and Livins are trapped. He uses the ladder to rescue them, but in the cellar he also finds a skeleton and the remains of a lantern and on the Lantern is a scratch, a message which says Abner Brown had followed me here. He would, he wanted to share, but I wouldn't. He shot me, and I'm dying. Yes. And then he uh, he goes uh, and he, he finds traces of contraband in the cellar, but no sign of the treasure. But there are noises of digging next door in the next chamber, and he hears the voices of. Abner Brown and the witches trying to find a way through into the inner cave. Kay goes back to Seekings. The rat tells him that he was there when Abner Brown turned up and that uh, Abner Brown did shoot Tiny Trigger, but then wandered off in the dark and fell into the flood and was drowned. The, meanwhile, the witches and Abner Brown have found the treasure has gone and come to look at it in Seekings. Again, Kay and Nibbins escape into the street where they find Kay's toys mm. come to life, bringing the treasure back. They put it under the flagstone in Kay's room, and the uh, all, all is restored. Meanwhile, Kay, the witches and Abda Brown have gone back to the mill, and they are found there with contraband goods and arrested. Mm. The mysterious woman on the black horse reappears, announces herself as Caroline Louisa, who is going to look after Kay in the future. Kay writes to the dictator of Santa Barbara, who happens to be visiting London, to tell him about the treasure, and it all ends happily. Now, it may or may not be a coincidence, but Kay's mother's first name was Caroline. Yes. Possibly her second name was Louisa, I don't know. Yes. It's it's um it's it such a the end that it yes. uh, ties everything up. But then um which is interesting because I find the ending and I'm you know, spoiler here, I find the ending of Box of Delights, which is a much more straightforward adventure story. I don't like the ending of that book because that I feel it's a cop-out. 
the kind of it's all a dream ending is is quite disappointing, I find. When and where did you first read The Midnight Folk? I think I read, before I read The Midnight Folk, of course, I, I had known The Box of the Lights for years because it was on Children's Hour uh, during the immediate, well, I think more or less the end of the wartime. It was about 1945. Wow. Uh, I came across The Box of Delights when it came out in paperback. Um, I uh, also read another book by Maysfield, uh, Sard Harker, which is, has mm. to do with Santa Barbara. And um, I read Box of Delights about the same time. So it must have been not long before I read it to you as uh, when, when we were reading bedtime stories. Yeah. It must uh, have been when I should have been getting on with my studies. But there you are. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it was, uh, that was where it was. I think it might, have, might possibly have been sometime about the time I married your mother. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's um, because it, I think it's 1927, um, Midnight Folk was published. Yeah. And the Box of Delights was in the 1930s. Yes, but the, 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 the two don't tie up, unfortunately, because no. uh, the K. The Midnight Folk um, is firmly in the 1880s or 90s. Mm. There are no, no motor vehicles. Yes. Whereas, um, uh, or airplanes, of course. Whereas no. The Box of Delights is firmly in the air, area of uh, uh, fast cars and, uh, and mysterious airplanes. Yeah. And it is only a couple of years older, it seems. Yes, it's it's such an interesting book because, like you say, we're never really sure what's real, what's a dream. I mean, Kay, uh, we're not really sure how old Kay is. Um, can assume he's too young to go to boarding school um, because otherwise his he probably would be at boarding school rather than at home with a governess. But he's. You know, sometimes he's the same size as the cat. Sometimes he's a boy, you know, a boy-sized. But it is very odd. And he's he's entirely powerless as well against um, his governess, Sylvia Daisy, who we meet again in Box of Delights as the wife of Abner Brown. But um, it, it's such a strange book. Um, the toys coming to life bit is so dreamlike. Yeah. But of course, he, he in the middle of the night he goes off with one of King Arthur's knights. Yes. The, yes. Uh, what I think we'd have to remember is that it's partly an ex an exploration of the world that Maysfield remembers from his childhood. Yes. There's a lot of, of what we might call oral history in there. Yeah. About the uh, the Liberty Tree. <laughs> And the, the, the hard times of the 1820s. Yes. And, uh, and the highwayman. Uh, yeah. His, his uh, mayor, Doutabel, who was trained to turn across the path of the stagecoaches and stop the horses. And, uh, and also, of course, the, the, he, he is, as a child, he is much closer to the world of the ordinary people. Yes. Than the castles. He, 
only at the end of the book, in the course of the book, in the course of the search for the highwayman's treasure, discovers that adults are in fact quite approachable. Yes. They're upper class adults, that is. On the other hand, he's on good terms with the sexton at the local church. But there's a lovely description of the, him being made to, to go to church and finding that his service is absolutely boring, but passing the time by making out pictures in the, um, in the cracks in the, in the plaster and in uh, the, um, uh, and, uh, and it, arranging the carvings in the roof into football teams. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which it's so, it's, that bit feels like a memory of, of Macefields, oh, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, well, um, firmly in the landscape, you have hmm. the, the hills and the woods where the poachers operate and the, uh, the fox and the cat. Uh, arrange their rabbit hunt. Yes. And uh, Mansfield also has a wonderful ear for dialogue. Yes. Uh, common speech. Uh, uh, I mean, I love uh, Miss, uh, Miss Susan Piney Trigger. And her, oh, yes. Uh, her roistering, her swigging of champagne and smoking a, a cigarette in a long holder and laughing over a saucy novel, which we assume is French. Yes. Yeah, Miss um, Susan Piney Trigger is, is one of my favourites. I, I really like her. And I, I think what you're saying about the way that he gets on with the ordinary people around the village rather than the aristocrats is very interesting because the way that Macefield writes those characters is entirely without any kind of um, talking down to them. There's no kind of attempt at, at making them comic uh, and bumpkinish. They're, they're, he treats them very respectfully, um, which I think is also something in Roger Kipling. Roger Kipling does that well with kind of those, those characters in um, Rewards and Fairies and Park of Pooks Hill. So I think, I, think that's that's quite unusual in books of children's books of the 20s but then also it's not didactic is it there's no moral to it it's simply an adventure story yeah yeah the other thing, of course is that um Kay is um is on equal terms with the uh, country folk yes now, in of the lights he's been sent away to boarding school mm. Which the purpose of which I think was social purpose of the boarding school was to distance children yes. from the lower classes. Yes. And in uh, in the box of delights, he's much more assured in dealing, for example, with uh, with Joe the uh, the chauffeur, gives him orders. And the police officer, the police officer, he doesn't believe him. He's quite aghast that the police officer doesn't automatically take his word for it that he's seen a flying car and uh, or an aeroplane that turns into a car, I should say. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Saad Harker. Yes. Um, but I don't believe that that's, that character of Saad Harker has any obvious connections to Kay. No, I, to be, uh, I think his, his name is, as far as I remember, Tyrold Harker, uh, Sard's a nickname. 
Mm. And, uh, but it doesn't appear to be any... He's certainly not uh, as Captain Harker because he was in the time of the Napoleonic Wars. Yes. And, uh, and this... Uh, the, uh, the Adventure in Sard Harker, which is not a children's book, no. so it is slightly fantastic, uh, is, um, uh, that, that appears to be in the 1870s or so. There's a, a railway in it, um, mm. what appears to be Mexico. Uh, it's called the Occidental Republic. And Santa Barbara is somewhere on the coast of, um, of, of the Atlantic coast of South America, probably, it's probably somewhere about uh, the Cartagena in Colombia, I think. Certainly, um, Mayfield did uh, go in his, uh, in his seafaring days to South America. And uh, again, he has a wonderful ear for dialogue for both the, um, the, uh, the, the Spanish-Americans and the Latin-Americans and, uh, and the... Uh, Rapscallions who make their way there. Abner Brown uh, appears in that uh, book, but I'm not sure that he's the same Abner Brown as mm. grandfather Abner Brown. Or he, yeah. he, couldn't, he couldn't be. Uh, he, he is a he is a gangster, but he's only a minor character. Yeah, it's just yes. I just I find it interesting that that it's it's perhaps in the same universe the same fictional universe but not not related characters it's it is very interesting um i mean i i mostly also remember macefield as a poet and particularly his poem sea fever which i think a lot of people probably have heard of or i must go down to the sea again the lonely sea in the sky um which of course has been um, parodied many times, as well as being a, a very well-known poem. Yeah. So, shall we move on then to talk about um, "Goth Girl and the Ghost of a Mouse" by um, by Chris Riddell? Um, I will read the blurb. Meet Agatha Goth. She lives in Ghastly Gorm Hall with her father, Lord Goth, lots of servants, and at least half a dozen ghosts. But she hasn't got any friends to explore her enormous creepy house with. Then one night, everything changes when Ada meets a ghostly mouse called Ishmael. Together, they set out to solve the mystery of the strange happenings at Ghastly Gorm Hall. And they get a lot more than they bargained for. I found this book really, really funny. I really, really enjoyed reading it. It's almost got too many jokes, actually, because you haven't really got time to enjoy one joke before another joke comes along. Um, who do you think this book is for? I think it's for, uh, well, I think you could also say it's aimed at parents of intelligent children. Yes, um, I think so. Yeah. It's great, great fun. The, uh, the, 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 the story is... Uh, Keeps moving. It's uh, an ingenious plot. Uh, they won't. The children probably won't get the references. They, if they, it depends on what, how much reading they've done themselves mm -hmm. uh, and what they've learned at school. Um, you need to have a parent who is able to explain the references to you. It might mm -hmm. possibly encourage them to to root out the references if they're uh, interested in that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I loved 
the reference at the end of the book, which you probably would miss if you didn't know it, uh, to the uh, the monster having uh, a spare foot, which is obviously the foot of Edmund Gibbon. Yes. Because it enjoys writing enormously long footnotes. Footnotes, yes. The footnotes joke, really, that was one of the things that really made me laugh. I really enjoyed that. Um, and I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of adults reading this book to children will be familiar with, with books that have a lot of footnotes. Um, and there, there are some children's books, of course, that also have footnotes. One of my favourites is um, The Amulet of Summerkand by um, Jonathan Stroud, where there's, which is told partly by um, a, a magical being who puts lots of footnotes of sort of, um, because it's a very, he is sort of um, a very unreliable narrator and makes himself out to be this very heroic character when he really isn't. So um, I, I think also, I think you're right. There, there are some bits that I think children will get, such as the governess coming down, sliding up and down the banisters, because that's very clearly Mary Poppins, uh, a reference to Mary Poppins. And I think that most children have watched the film of Mary Poppins. I think a lot of children will get the vampire, um, the governess who's the vampire. And, yes. And also I think the, the monster, um, because I think Frankenstein and Frankenstein's creatures are well enough known in cartoons and so on for, for children to understand. Um, I think also the joke about the hobby horse race children will get, because they'll understand horse racing, racing on a hobby horse, a bike that's called a hobby horse, I think children will get. It's, it's incredibly fun, inventive and, and enjoyable, in my opinion. What did you think about Ghastly Gorm? as a setting um, it's, uh, well it's obviously a um, another of these creepy houses yeah uh, and uh, it's uh, like like seekings it's um, full of nooks and crannies and secrets secrets mm. and uh, yes I I, 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 uh, I I thought it was um, I don't think I would have understood it without the actual map we don't get no. a map of seekings and uh, but we get detailed descriptions of particular corners of seekings, which we don't get so much in mm. the ghastly Gorm house. Yes, yeah. And the, 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 in the, these books with secret passages, the, the, these houses with secret passages and, yeah. and uh, chambers which nobody ever unlocks are, are really uh, a, a gift to, um, to authors. Yes, yeah, and it, it's sort of all of the gothic tropes of houses, you know, from um, Northanger Abbey and, and you know, the, the parodies of, of gothic romance that, that Jane Austen was, was reading and, and writing with great affection, I think. But also um, it reminded me a lot of The Secret Garden and the house in The Secret Garden where Mary's not allowed to go and explore. Um, but also, yeah, all of the kind of Scooby-Doo type spooky old houses, which 
always have a, a mysterious person who's carrying out nefarious plots. Um, but uh, I think also adults reading this book to children who were big fans of classic fantasy and gothic novels will also get the joke about Gormenghast. So ghastly oh, yeah. Gormenghast that, that is, I think a lot of um, adults would enjoy very much. Um, so let's talk now about the character of Ishmael, who is, I think, quite conspicuous by his absence a lot of the way through the book. What, what yeah. did you think about Ishmael? Well, he's a, a mechanism to get um, Ada uh, looking for, uh, for um, <coughs> some way of setting him free, I suppose. Yes. Uh, so um, uh, it, it was quite easy to miss the uh, the reason why he can't uh, leave his uh, leave why he, he is bound to Gormenghast because there's something there that his that is left undone. Yes, but, um, uh, he he is as you say he's a mechanism for coming in and prompting her to get off to to, to do to take action. Yes, uh, I, I like the call me Ishmael beginning. Of course, yes, <laughs> get the reference there quite immediately. Yes, yeah, it's like, yeah, another another literary joke where, as I say, almost too many of them. Yeah, yes, he's. I, I actually have. Um, I went to meet um, Chris Riddell once. He was doing a book signing in Brighton. I think it was around the time that Goth Girl was published, actually, and he drew me um, a picture of the mouse. So I, I have that framed. And I will put a photo of that in the show notes. Um, he is a very prolific illustrator uh, and, and draws all the time. Um, and uh, his, his illustrations are really beautiful. I, I love them. So um, your copy of the book is um, a paperback, isn't it? That's the paperback, yes. It's a, uh, it's a Macmillan paperback. It's a... Um... 2017. It doesn't have what I think you've got, which is the uh, little uh, memoirs of Ishmael. Yes, um, so, uh, it, it does rather hamper one in understanding what is going on. No, the the, um, the memoirs of the mouse are are really kind of. It's a lovely little comic, and uh, it's got um, very. It's very tiny. But it's got a lot of kind of stories about him and his journeys. And there's bits of it that are like, um, what's he called? Gulliver. And there's other bits that are, are sort of like other traditional travel stories. There's a, an albatross. There's, a, yeah, it's, it's very, it's much more similar to um, Gulliver's travels than uh, Moby Dick, thank goodness. Because, um, Moby Dick is really not one of my favourite books um, at all. Um, yeah, it's just a lovely little extra object. Um, and it's got, mine's got gilt end papers with patterns of skulls and leaves. And it really is absolutely beautiful. Um, I have noticed comments online 
that this book does not work very well as an ebook, and I can see that. Um, actually, I think it's it's uh, it's so richly illustrated that I would imagine that within um, an ebook, the images don't quite align with the text and would probably spoil the flow of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I do, I do think it is a book that is better read as a hard copy and then passing on to, uh, I don't know, one's, one's nine-year-old granddaughter, wouldn't you say, Dad? I think, uh, I think Eva would really enjoy this um, yeah. and, and enjoy the illustrations, actually. Do you think it would have to be the, uh, the, hard, the uh, hardback book, do you think? No, I don't think so. I think the paperback, it, you've still got the illustrations, haven't you? The illustrations are right, yes. It's still a very the lovely object. Um, <clears throat> uh, the original illustrations for Alice was uh, set out in a similar way. Yes, yes. I think Tenny, you can see a lot of uh, similarities between Tenniel and uh, Chris Riddell's illustrations, actually. They're kind of the same quite clean lines and then but a lot of hatch cross hatching I think it's called mm. yeah mm. so do you think you'd you'd be interested in in reading any more of Chris Riddell's books oh yes I think so sorry I did have looked up the other ones and I was uh, thinking I might find them acceptable birthday presents in fact yes I think so I, th I, I will make note of that that very good hint to <laughs> keep you amused to keep your spirits up exactly exactly yes well thank you for listening to episode 16 of fantasy book swap you can find us on twitter at fantasy swap on facebook at fantasy book swap or you can email fantasy at gmail.com you can subscribe at most of your favorite podcast places or download from Podbean. Please do rate and review as it helps other people find the podcast and it satisfies my vanity. Thanks to Steve Vapertrails for production assistance and Jack Sadler Johnson for the use of his beautiful track, Bliss. Until next time, bye.